welcome Mr. Peter McCarthy. Thanks, Jeff. Looking at this, I didn't know if it would be too short for me. <laughs> and I was like, nah. <laughs> no way. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to get rid of this folder here. Just like that. So January 2nd um, will be a year that I have been up here. And I was just thinking back, like, it has been a great time being here with the transit and just seeing this come about, seeing it grow, seeing Jeff um, really sow the vision into this place. And and so I just want to just treasure this moment that um, almost a year of being here, it's probably been like nine months since we've been in the school. Like Jeff said, eight months since we've officially launched. So I, I feel blessed um, to be here. But we're going to be in 1 John 1, 1 through 4. And before we just jump in, I want to pray. Jesus, we need to see you. Our salvation depends upon it. Our sanctification depends upon it. God, our, our life as believers depend upon seeing you. And we cannot see you on our own. It is an act of grace that you would come to us. God, it is an act of grace that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would give us faith to see, God, even when you're not physically here, and to believe in you. And so we're trusting, God, that you're going to show up and reveal yourself to us. And Holy Spirit, I invite you, come and show us Jesus. Open your word to us. Open your word to each individual heart here because we need you, God. And and you're what we depend on. You're our treasure. I pray you would reveal yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. That was my sermon. I prayed it. Now I'm going to preach it. So we're going to be in 1 John 1, 1 through 4. And just a little bit of context in 1 John. Um, it, it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, this is why John is writing the letter. And he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So this, is, this whole letter really is about assurance in Jesus. And we're going to start to unfold this. You're going to have to um, just track along with me. We got some slides up in here. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to start to unpack 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Let's go ahead and get started. The first two verses, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. So this starts out, that which is from the beginning. And the first question I have is, what's from the beginning? You know, he kind of starts off this letter assuming that we know something. And... That's because this passage 
really a lot of this book is the unfolding, the unpacking exposition, further writing on John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. So I'm going to read this and bear with me here. We're going to read a lot of scripture, but then this is going to start to unfold before us. And the whole point of this is for us to see Jesus. Okay, this is John writing in the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. So that's, that's which was in the beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, who's he talking about here? Who became the Word? It's Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Say that name. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, meaning everything was made through Jesus. Jesus was from the beginning. Jesus was with God. Jesus is God. Jesus was in the beginning. All things were made through him. And it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness passively has to digress, has to fade away when the light comes. Now, here's something really cool. We start to get into the testimony of John the Baptist. So, man, we're going to get into like some inception type stuff here. We're going like layers deep, okay? So, this is kind of cool. John, the disciple in the Gospel of John, is now going to start talking about John the Baptist. It's a lot of Johns. Okay, verse 6. <clears throat> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. What does witness mean? I think sometimes when we think of witness, we think, man, I'm going to hit the streets and witness. Witness is a passive place of observing. You get a witness on the stand because he saw something. And it's saying, not, not because he's good at speaking, not because he's got like five you know, points memorized, but because he's good at speaking. And so John the Baptist comes at a witness. Well, what's he witnessing? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John the Baptist is seeing this revelation of who Jesus is, that from the beginning, he is the Word of God, and he was made manifest. And it says he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So he's witnessing and he's bearing witness that Jesus has come and that those who believe in him have eternal life. Man, we're going third level deep now. How does John see all this? Well, it's really cool. There's some context here about John's, John the Baptist's background. And if you go to Luke 1, 13 through 15, it gives us some insight here. So um, the angel has come to Elizabeth, John's mother, and he, and he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, which is John the Baptist's father, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, 
and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Well, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. I've never heard anyone say that, but I'm seeing the Bible say that, and, and that's really cool because if we go to Luke chapter 1, verse 41, we start to see what that means for John the Baptist, being filled with the Holy Spirit while in the womb. And what we find is amazing. It's an insight as to how he's a witness of Jesus. And when Elizabeth, <clears throat> so Mary has Jesus in her tummy, okay? And she's coming to see Elizabeth, who has John the Baptist in her tummy. And this is what happens. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Why? There's something going on there. And the next part of the verse kind of shows us that. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What happened was John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, even in the womb, that's Jesus. And I'm not getting crazy here. What's going on is God is testifying of God. Regardless of that human circumstance where there's two babies in the womb, they're having a party because God's celebrating about God. Ha! Whoa, whoa. we don't see that happen. At least we wouldn't acknowledge that that's happening, but that's what's going on. And then it proves its point when Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does she do? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So the Holy Spirit comes on her, and what does she do? That's Jesus. How do you know that's Jesus? He's not even born yet. He hasn't even died on the cross yet. He hasn't even said anything wise yet. He hasn't even said mama, dada yet. And you're saying, that's the Lord. Ha! That's because we're not the ones that reveal God. God's the one that reveals God to us, and he'll do it to anybody. I gotta have myself. <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you see Jesus. That's the point. That's what the Holy Spirit does. In light of the gospel, you were not seeing, but by God's grace in God as Emmanuel, God coming, you have seen. God made God known to you. So we can go back and, and read John 1 again, kind of in light of that. I told you we're going to do some flipping around, but it's going to come together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. We could say in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, not anything made that was made. There wasn't anything that didn't go through the lens of almighty God into creation, into this one person, Jesus Christ, who is one of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So really, 
our flesh, our skin, who we are, our personalities are a result of being made through Jesus. And, and John is beholding this. John the Baptist. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's starting to get a revelation that there's something greater than just a, um, a political Messiah coming. There's someone coming that is filled with life and that brings life to invade darkness. Darkness is only the absence of light. So when light comes, there isn't a chance for darkness. And that's what's happening when Jesus comes. And it's amazing. It says, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness. What does witness mean? To see. He saw this. And it says he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. How do all believe through him? What is that that happens? Well, in the rest of John 1, what happens is six accounts of John the Baptist actually bearing witness. So it doesn't just say he came to bear witness and, well, we'll find out how he bore witness in heaven, as they say sometimes. But this is what happens. John bore witness about him, cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. What do you mean, John? Weren't you born before Jesus? Yeah, I was born before Jesus, but Jesus is eternal, pre-eternal, now eternal, then eternal. Jesus has always existed. And so John's starting to bear witness. I've seen this Jesus, and I'm telling you about him. And this is is something that kind of summarizes his bearing of witness. And um, John 1, 32 through 34, and John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, And it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit comes and lands on Jesus, and it says he remained. I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said he departed. And it said, Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then it follows with John the Baptist saying, I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. What's happening here? The Holy Spirit, and we know also from the story, the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. What's happening is that the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus and John once again is seeing by the power of God that this is the Son of God. And he says, I have seen. So there's something about seeing there that stirs something in our hearts. And we're going to get back to our text and see how this unfolds. And have borne witness. So now he's saying, this is the Son of God. And here's the thing. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do the miracle in our heart that would let us testify and say, that is the Son of God. 
We can't see apart from God seeing for us. And if the Holy Spirit is on the Son of God, constantly testifying of the Son of God, then his main role, his function, is bringing us in to go from blind to awake, from darkness to light, from not seeing to seeing, from not beholding the treasure of the universe to beholding the treasure of the universe. That's what he does. And he's with us, and he's doing that even now by the power of his word. This is a correlation always between the Spirit of God showing up and the Son of God being revealed. We've got a couple points. You get to behold the true purpose of God, the true purpose of existence in the person of Christ. So your reason for existence, your purpose for existence is found in the purpose of Christ. Everything, your blood, your oxygen, your calling, who you are, your personality, all for Jesus. And the function of the Holy Spirit is to reveal that person, Jesus, to you. Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So how do we see Jesus once he's gone? Because it seems like so far, these accounts mostly have been that Jesus was on the scene, or at least in the womb. You know, there's, there's something there that could happen for people to see Jesus and believe. Well, this is how we see Acts 1.8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power, this is Jesus talking to his disciples before he leaves, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? What is that saying? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to all of the earth, meaning you're going to see me. Sometimes we get this mentality that being a witness to the ends of the earth, well, I've got my Bible training. I'm going to Samaria now. No. No, what, what happens is if you catch a revelation of Jesus, no matter where you are, There's something going on, and you're going to see Jesus everywhere. The bottom line is seeing Jesus. There's no other way to believe, and there's no other function that God's after than for his people to reveal and to see Jesus. That's what he's doing. That's what he wants us to do. He is doing this thing of making the center of the universe known to you. And here's the thing. We're not inviting God to our world. He's inviting us to his. And that's what's happening here. So Jesus is saying, I'm leaving now, but you're going to have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's still resting upon me. So when I'm gone, and you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen is this, this triune, amazing revelation moment where the Holy Spirit awakens your eyes, awakens your heart to the person of Christ. And we see that in the Word. Hopefully the Holy Spirit's even working now as we unpack His Word so that you can see Him. So Jesus isn't physically here, but the Holy Spirit has made Him alive to us. Now, let's get back to our text. 1 John 1 Chapter, yeah, First John 1, chapter 2. I mean, verse 2. Whew, man. 
the life was made manifest. Did we have anything to do with the life being made manifest? I think this is passive on our part. The life was made manifest outside our control, and we have seen it. That's grace. We didn't know where to look. We didn't know there was a Messiah. We didn't know there was a Jesus, not just for our point of salvation, our point of conversion, but for every day when we need to look upon Jesus and have faith and believe and be stirred with affection for him, we can know that Jesus was made manifest and by his grace we have seen it. And here's the thing, and testify to it. So wait, you see and then you testify. Why is John saying that I have seen it and I testify to it? Maybe it's because when you see something so great, the human reaction is to speak of it if you actually did really think it was so great. Now, if I were at the Outer Banks and I'm standing there in Corolla, Kerala, whatever you want to call it, And I'm standing on the shore, and Shamu leaps out of the water and does a tail grab. I'm thinking, dang! And my first response is going to be, did you see that? That's what's going to happen. Because there's something so awesome that I just beheld that the human function is, I've got to share this experience. You've got to know what I just saw. And then I'll probably even run in the house and be like, guys, you're not going to believe this. But Shamu just leaped out of the Atlantic. I thought Shamu was trapped somewhere. in a... No, no, that was definitely Shamu. Um, so, so there's this thing. If we can transition that to Jesus, where Jesus was made manifest and and John has seen it and he's starting to testify to it. Not only is he acknowledging that he's seen Jesus, but he says he's, he's proclaiming and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. So he's not just acknowledging that I've seen Jesus. He's recommending, he's commending He's proclaiming. He's making known the existence. And this is when you truly behold the Son of God coming. When you truly behold the Son of God that's present. When you truly behold the Son of God that is eternal and conquered death and is here with us making us alive. There's an expression that is overwhelming and and there's also an expression of telling and saying and proclaiming, not just so other people may see, but so that we have this consummated joy, revelation that we have seen. Seeing Jesus is passive on our part and the greatest expression of his generous grace. He did not have to reveal his majesty to us. We get to behold him because of his grace. We saw passively, beheld him, and treasure him. Seeing Jesus leads to testifying, always. If you're really seeing Jesus, you're testifying. Otherwise, you ain't seeing the real Jesus. 
And, and testifying leads to proclamation. And this can take time. But what happens is when the Son of God gets a hold of your heart, the other things we pay attention to just shy away from their worth. We start saying, that's not worthy. Those, those games I play, those movies I watch, those restaurants I eat at, all the great things in D.C., those monuments, they fail in comparison. They don't give my heart joy. I'm not treasuring them. They're not eternal. This treasure is eternal. And what happens is those other things fade away, and then it doesn't become ridiculous to start to say, oh, my heart's growing in affection. My mouth is now proclaiming more affection because there's been a transfer of what you're seeing. There's been a transfer of what you're trusting. There's been a transfer of what you're treasuring. Verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. Verse 2 is self-validating. He's saying, when we see, we testify. When we testify, we proclaim. And now John's saying, I've seen, I'm testifying, and I'm proclaiming, I'm commending to you. So this isn't just, we're not just unpacking what the disciples were doing. Cute little disciples, you love Jesus. He, he's coming at us and saying, look, you church, you who believe in Jesus, this is for you. I'm speaking to the individual hearts here that you too may have fellowship with us. Now, this is cool. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus. So you got the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus, and Jesus is with the Father having, you know, just back and forth. They love there's affection. They are God. It's a triune God. And, and John is saying that our fellowship is with them. When we start to see Jesus, we join a Trinitarian fellowship. And so John is commending this to us, that he has he's seen the Father because Jesus reveals the Father. And he's starting to say, guys, this is the height of fellowship. So here's, I'm almost, I'm almost done here. But when Jesus is the center of your joy, your affection, and you meet there, that's the highest place of human pleasure you can be at when you're beholding the Son of God in community. When together there's people adoring Jesus. When together there's people loving Jesus. When together there's people rejoicing in him. Verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And, And before I just get to those last few points here, you know, the greatest commandment that Jesus gives has always challenged me. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And I always got that, kind of, leaned in that direction. But then it says a really big and. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if the highest call for a human being is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you're called to love your neighbor as yourself, doesn't it seem like you kind of go from vertical to horizontal? Like it kind of shifts the focus. I thought it did, but then I realized that if I'm truly loving someone, I'm going to point them to the highest pleasure. So it's really, 
Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor by pointing them in that direction that they too might see Jesus, might love Jesus. And I think that's kind of what John's saying here. We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In other words, our joy is complete when you see Jesus too. Our joy is complete when together our fellowship is centered on the revelation of the Son of God. There is no higher pleasure, there is no higher purpose for the Christian than to be in community centered around Jesus and talking about Jesus and and loving who Jesus is, his attributes, the things he is and the things he's made himself known to be to us. So here's some gospel implications. Gospel implications meaning God came for us. He rescued us. It's a message of good news. We couldn't see God on our own. God reveals God to us and God folds us into God. So my first implication is God folds us into God. Jesus revealing himself to us was not dependent upon our initiation, worthiness, or desire. We didn't know him. He was revealed. We did see him because the life was made manifest. You could search. You can't find God. You can't find God in your money. You can't find God in going to a church. You can't find God in in pleasure unless... The Son of God has been revealed to you, and then you look at him and behold him and and treasure him and believe upon him. That's where you start to get a sense of worthiness. And so Jesus revealing himself didn't depend on those things because we couldn't make him come. We couldn't make him reveal himself to us. Jesus revealed himself to make the Father known to an undeserving people, but a people that would treasure him most. Think about that. Jesus came to, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, you and me, people without him, no destiny. I mean, sure, we can do things on our own, but really at the end of the day, like, what does that even mean? You know, I got a job recently, and God provided that, but I I get this job, and I'm like, why do people strive to do this like God provides but at the end of the day doing those things having sense of accomplishment in the world falls short in comparison to the one who who's accomplished the most which is Jesus just one more our joy in community and the health of community depends upon seeing Jesus that's that's why I wanted to preach this that's why I think God made this passage stand out. And, and like John said in chapter 5, I'm writing these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. So this is assurance. And church, transit, people I love, people God loves, when we see Jesus, we can know for sure. When we behold Jesus because he's revealing himself to us, we start to see that our treasure scale is changing, that he's becoming more important, more worthy because he is. His worth revealed shows us that our hearts can cling to him and love him with absolute affection. When that starts to happen, we can know for sure that we'll be with him forever. And 
that's the greatest thing we could ever want, is to be with Jesus forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came for us. We didn't come for you. We didn't know where to look. We were blind, God. We didn't know you existed. We didn't know how beautiful you were. And God, every morning, Lord, our our hearts swing back into sinful disposition, not embracing the word of God, not embracing the gospel, not embracing you, but we thank you that your grace carries us, God, to reveal yourself to us, to reveal a Trinitarian loving God to us. And God, thank you that you got involved, Lord, that you made yourself known, not to introduce you to us necessarily, but to um, not, not that we were welcoming you, Lord, but that you were welcoming us, God, into something greater. Lord, and I just pray for every heart here, Lord, that we would see Jesus. Lord, our lives depend on it. But not only that, it is the greatest pleasure. God, do not withhold great pleasure from us by seeing Jesus. We want to see Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.